0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to say a very good morning to Stephen Ryan from Dicksonia Rare Plants. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning all of our listeners out there on this
1: day that was really dark when I got up this morning. It was. <laughs> Yeah, so the days are definitely shortening now. So, although it's dry and horrible and I'm not enjoying this weather because it's really hard to keep the garden looking half reasonable. Um, and, of course, I've got opera in the garden tomorrow. So, oh, yes. Yeah, so we've booked out. We've got uh, 100 people coming. Good. Good. Um, And so it should be a great day tomorrow, and then I'm hoping the skies will open the next day, but I bet they won't. Uh, But (laughs) not it be nice? It'd be nice if we got some rain, because, of course, I'm off and overseas on Sunday next week. That's uh, right. For five weeks in Morocco. So Goodness me, I don't know, life gets really hectic sometimes, but anyhow, we'll cope.
0: Do you still think there'll be snow on the high atlas?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be still snow there. (laughs) And I'm told by my partner that the walk we're going to do after the main tour is over, because we're going walking in the Atlas Mountains for about seven to ten days, not that long ago I was told we're walking to the two highest peaks. Oh, Oh, are you? Yes, apparently. Right. So there you go. So there's a new challenge for me. I wasn't expecting that. I thought we'd just be walking through valleys and what looking have you. Looking for wildflowers. Looking for wildflowers. But I'm assured that we're supposedly walking to the top of the two highest peaks in the Atlas Mountains. Right. Which goes up over 4,000 metres. Yes. So, uh, yeah, So there's bound to be a bit of snow up there. There will be. So, yeah, so, um <laughs> And I have to say, once I get beyond plants and into snow, I start losing interest a wee bit. Because uh, for me, it's all about seeing plants. I mean, I love the scenery and all that sort of stuff, oh, sure. I guess. Oh, uh, I remember Craig dragging me to the top of a mountain in the Rockies in, um, in California, well, no, in Oregon, uh, some years back. And we walked to the top of this mountain, I think it was called... Six sister or eight sister or something or another, and it was the highest peak in Oregon or something. And we got up to the top and it had a crater lake at the top. It was all really beautiful. You had to look out at this view. There wasn't a plant to be seen anywhere. There was crispy snow everywhere. And in my generally quiet voice, I turned around to Craig and said, you dragged me up to the top of that for this. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't any plants there. So what can I say? I found one little rumex, one little dockweed growing at the top of uh, this this." blasted mountain that we'd walk for hours to get to the top of but anyhow well uh,
0: so you might be repeating the experience i think Stephen. I probably will
1: <laughs> i mean i don't actually have any real yen to get to the top of stuff i'm not quite sure about the getting to the top thing yeah uh, craig on the other hand loves to get to the top of things so yep. that's that's fine he, he'll enjoy that but i'm happy as sort of tootling around looking at plants so once i get up into the snow line above that i mean the challenge is there, but it's not really all that exciting for me. Yeah. So, but yes, hopefully when you see me again in a few weeks' time, I'll have been to the top of the highest peak in Morocco. <laughs> well, Won't that be go. fun?
0: <laughs> Won't it? <laughs> all right. Of course, it's the uh, second Sunday in the month, so that means we also have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm. Morning, Graham. Oh,
2: uh, uh, good morning, uh, uh, Pam. Good morning, everybody out there and listening, Len. And and, and this noble panel here of Virginia and, and Stephen and, and Pam. I don't know why we do this. <laughs> really, do, do we really need to do this? Yes. This, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, everybody's unanimous. Yes. Um, it, it's it, fun. That's why yeah, we do it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's amazing to look at Melbourne Skyline with all the balloons up now. Hey? Isn't, that, isn't that fantastic? Mm. And um, the only real complaint we've got is, is about things being so damn dry. Mm. But anyway, what can you do other than that?
0: Exactly. My
2: solution is, is, hey, use a lot more seaweed in your garden. It really does help. It does help with drought, mm. drought tolerance and, and um, certainly makes roses grow. We know that it'll, that it'll stimulate roses enough to give us another 30% more flowers than normal. Well, there you go. Stephen, what about other plants?
1: Look, I'm, I'm convinced seaweed helps all sorts of stuff, so I've got no issue with that at all. Uh, my problem is finding the time to put it on. Yes. <laughs> uh, with my slightly frenetic lifestyle, um, you know, I tend to pot things, feed them when they're potted, and then they have to cope. Uh, which is probably not the best thing I could be doing. But uh, in general, I just don't have the time for a lot of the other things I would like to be able to do. Mm. So, yes, uh, putting down liquid seaweed or even liquid feeding through the year and all that sort of stuff is something that rarely gets done by me because I just don't have the time. Mm. And it's like finessing things in the garden. I mean, there's lots of things I'd like to be able to do. I'd love to be rushing around deadheading the dahlias and, and cleaning out the canners and doing all those finesse things in the garden. Garden that you know make quite a big difference if you do them. It makes plants go on and flower longer and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes I just don't get around to it. Mm. You know, mm. I struggle enough to get actually get veggies into the veggie garden sometimes. Mm. So yeah, so life is far too frenetic and it's not getting any quieter. Why does that happen? I thought as you got older, things were supposed no. to get easier.
0: No, <laughs> it goes the opposite direction yeah, yeah, for some reason. Yeah, for
1: some reason or another, my ti- <laughs> I seem to be more time for now than I was ten years ago. Well, Maybe that's
0: why we, we, we finally decide when we get permanent rest that we're grateful for yes. it. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's
2: well, um, it, it is an interesting subject. It is a very interesting subject, and I believe, quite frankly, we're so seduced with electronic stuff that's a challenge. Um, and I see people coming home um, to work uh, from work, and they've got to get home by a certain time to go and watch this other program and it's, it's, it's like a damn merry-go-round mm. and the, the time that I get to, time to really work in the nursery is probably between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock at night mm. it's, it's just beautiful but the damn why do we need to watch four editions of the damn news and it's all, <laughs> it's all quite and ninety percent 99% of it we can't do a damn thing about it anyway
1: No, true. We can't. Although I don't like to miss the news. No, I don't either, (laughs) but I only watch it
3: once. Yes,
0: I
2: know. I do not watch more editions of it. No, I don't. Well, you're in in the same department. I I like to watch the
3: drum beforehand. I'm actually um. getting a bit addicted to the drum, Very, I have fantastic.
1: to say. Uh, it's it's really good value television because it's all off the cuff and people are talking about things that they're Un, passionate about. And it's they're good. nice. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And, it's, of course, that
0: voice means we have to say a belated <laughs> good morning to Virginia Haywood. <laughs> i Virginia. Good morning, everybody.
3: Well, my place is just drenched in smoke.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yes, you're out in that area, I can't, aren't you?
3: I cannot see. I, I, a lot of people have been to my garden and I've got a brilliant view of the mountains. I can't see a mountain, not mm. a mountain, just for smoke. And there was well, a fire in Seville yesterday oh and no. a fire in Gruyere.
0: Yep. Mm. Well, would you believe um, I drove back from Lawn yesterday and we had smoke haze right from Lawn all the way up yeah. the freeway. It's because the wind has been in the The wind southeast has been heading ends. it to that direction, mm. yeah. We're,
2: we haven't got a clue on managing our, our national parks and our, our tree areas. We are just so backward. In that whole department. You know, after the fires up on Mount Disappointment, the big fires, they put in a, a, a fire break which follows the road and that fire breaks 100 metres wide. What a great idea. What a great idea. Why can't we use that sort of mentality that, 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 um, uh, But then
3: the, Aborig- the Aboriginals actually uh, cold burnt all yes. the time. That's right. We're not prepared to do that because mm. it's too, it, it involves too much manpower. Hmm yeah you yes, know because that's they i mean they absolutely controlled. Oh, completely. Land. I mean, anybody yes. who's interested in a good book on this subject is yeah. Dark Emu by mm. Bruce Pascoe. It's yeah. an absolutely brilliant book. Yeah. And it's an easy read and it's not too big. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and it's not too technical either. It's, it's no, just no a really it's a really good excellent mm. read. Yeah. We and, bought, you know,
3: that's, what, I mean, that's what happened. They managed, they managed the land. They farmed the land using yeah. fire. Mm. But they well, bought we bought our northern,
2: northern European mentality in, in, in forests and, and growing trees. Mm. And, and in the forests where the big fires happened, the Black Saturday they've planted back a whole bucket full of eucalypts. You've got to be kidding. And I was told... Bray, you
3: have to grow eucalypts in the bush because that's what the bush is.
2: Yeah, sure. But why, you know, the, the, just putting it in, in, in an intense forest, we're asking for another huge bonfire. We yeah. really are. The problem
1: the problem's not the matter of having fire, actually, because ma- uh, the, country, mm. the country is adjusted to fire. The problem is we keep building houses under the bloody trees yes. uh, and we have no sense of 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 how to... Manage that. I mean, the Aboriginals, well, they just had their, their temporary housing and they just moved it around. So it didn't matter if vast areas burnt through because, uh, and they never burnt through with the same sort of intensity they do these, these days because of the way they were burned. Uh, but nonetheless, you didn't have a house you had to protect in the middle of it all. Well,
3: they lost 30 houses this yeah. time, or more than 30
2: houses. Well, it's what, it's, what, it's what I call the paradise syndrome. Mm-hmm. Why do you live, I say to the people around me, why do you want to live in this area with all these trees? I just want to get away from Melbourne. Mm. I leave work and I want to get to my little paradise. And that's really what drives us. That's basically why I'm there. And then when you say to people, we did a survey in, in, in the nursery for five years, I'm asking people, the, do they like their job? You know, 80% of people don't like the work that they're working No, at. they do it
1: for the income, which yeah. is very sad. I find that really hard to understand. Yeah. How? No, I don't find it hard to understand. I can understand why it happens. But I feel terribly sorry for people who do something yeah. just because that
2: earns them income, not because they enjoy doing it, which exactly. is sad. Yes. And then I'm sorry, you've got a, a situation where people will build a house and they... My daughter lives in a house with five toilets. You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: Graham, don't even start me on this <laughs> McMansion building thing that seems to be the thing to do. I mean, well, uh, the
3: disgusting thing is Australia has the largest houses in the world, yeah. which is and absolutely
2: appalling. And house building is the biggest contributor to our greenhouse problem mm. because of what we consume with, with, with yeah. buildings and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. When I built my first house, which I'm still in, and it has been extended since that time, it was a two bedroom cottage with one bathroom, one toilet, one kitchen, uh, and there was one guy living in it. And it mm. seemed to me to be an appropriate sized house for somebody. I had enough room where I could have a guest. And that was it. Mm. Um, now, there's two people living in the house. We've got a, a, an extra study and things like that now. But nonetheless, it's still not a big house. Mm. Uh, and, and, we very don't, and very comfortable. And very comfortable. we can close bits of it off uh, in the cold weather so that we don't have to go into some of the rooms. Um, Uh, because it's two-storey, the downstairs stays nice and cool, so we don't need air conditioning. Um, And you've got eaves. Yeah, and we've got eaves and a big veranda over the Mm -hmm. front. Uh, We've got trees around us. My only big problem is I can't put in solar panels. Too shaded. It's too too shaded. (laughs) 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 And we've actually had somebody to come out and assess it to see whether it was a possibility, and they said there's just no way. Uh, Even if you covered your whole roof in solar panels, which I don't like the idea of because I think they're ugly, um, and we do have an aesthetic sense as well as other things, so it's got to work from an aesthetics as well, um, he said you still wouldn't get enough to make it worth all the money that you're putting into them. Well, I
3: wanted to put um, solar hot water in mine, but on my west I have got whole range of 100-foot um, pine trees. And then on my north, I've got this huge eucalypt. So mm. I just do not get enough sun over mm. my bathroom.
1: Well, I had somebody down the street who said they were going to be really, really environmentally friendly and they put solar panels up and then cut their trees down. Mm. Oh,
0: great. (laughs) That makes no sense. They
1: did. They had a couple of big manna gums that were on the sunny side of their house, so they put up their solar panels and cut the trees down. Uh, And I thought, well, they've lost their passive solar from the gum trees that were shading their house to put solar panels up so they can turn on their air conditioning.
2: Well, they've, they've, they've created a nice fire, fire break around the house, haven't they?
1: Well, I don't know about yeah. that so much. I mean, it was just two trees. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Anyhow, different people have different ideas about but how they
2: hey, go we're in the business of, of providing paradise for people. Yeah, well, exactly. Let's that's talk about growing about. plants. Yeah, yes, that's yes, what gardening exactly. is about, hey. Yes. Okay. Nice debate, people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am going to get to some community announcements. Uh, first up today is the second day of the uh, Ferny Creek Hort Society's um, Plant Collectors and Garden Expo Day. Now, you were up there yesterday, Virginia. Sue and I went up
3: yesterday and we had the most fabulous time. Sue's doing the outside line, if anyone wants to ring in to her today. And it was absolutely lovely. There were so many plants there. And, of course, what's happening is Fernie Creek is becoming, along with the Macedon mm-hmm. one, the most important um, place to go to buy rare plants now because teslas are no longer doing it mm. they're not doing it this year mm-hmm. and so the ferny creek one is becoming more and more important and there's so many there's so many eccentrics who's selling plants there it's yeah, absolutely there's fabulous. one or two eccentric customers too <laughs> to, dare i say well i have to say i saw a lot of plant trust people while yeah, I was yeah good there. <laughs> and somebody came up to me and said are you virginia Mm. And I said, yes. and said, right, you have to buy this tree. Now, I'm a friend of Stevens, and I'm the only person that's got this tree. I end up buying the tree. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm glad to see he was, he
1: was persuasive enough.
3: <laughs> so I really would say to people, if you've got the chance, go up to Ferny Creek today. And mm. the sausage sizzle, I love their sausage sizzle. Mm. It's an excellent sausage sizzle. Okay. And there were so many plants there, so many wonderful plants.
2: Why were the sausages so good?
3: I don't know. They're just, it is just a place where I particularly yeah. go. I never have breakfast when I'm going to a Fernie Creek event. Right. Well,
2: there you go. And we're <laughs> really mastering the art of, of having all sorts of different types of sausages, yes, aren't we? Yes, yes. And, and uh, sausage uh, sizzles outside Bunnings. have oh, become a feature. And our, our Lions Club at Wandong makes a, quite a bit of money there. Mm-hmm. It's um, yes. a great money spinner. Everybody likes a sausage and a piece of bread. Yeah, yeah. And More I never enough. cook them at home. I do no, not well, think of
1: well, having sausages. At oh, we have the occasional gourmet sausages we get from a gorgeous little place out near Musk uh, that makes their own... Sort of Italian-style sausages, and they're delicious. But they'd be the only ones we'd have in the house Mm -hmm. Mm. because we're really. But when I came back from England, (laughs) the
3: the sausages here were appalling compared to what I've been eating over there. But they've really improved. You get a good sausage nowadays. Okay, back to the announcement. (laughs) There's only about
0: 55 sausages. Aren't even about gardening. Goodness (laughs) me. Right. Well, the address, if you're wanting to go up to Ferny Creek, is 100 Hilton Road, East Sassafras. Now, it opens at 10 o'clock this morning, runs through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Entry is $5 only. Uh, There's 20 to 30 stalls there, um, both in the gardens and in the hall. And uh, there's free on-site parking uh, with some disabled spaces allocated. And as you've heard, there's uh, the usual light refreshments, including, dare I say, the sausage sausage sizzle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's on today. Now, also on today... Uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens have got their next themed guided walk This is perennials and the silver border Uh, You meet the guide at 2 o'clock this afternoon at the front steps Entry is gold coin donation And uh, as I say you'll be uh, looking at the enduring plants in the perennial and silver borders Also on today is the second day of um, Musk Farm garden opening Uh, This is uh, open from 10 through till 4.30, $10 for a self-guided tour. Now, uh, you can't take your car in, but you can get to the uh, tourist train from Dalesford, which stops at Musk. There's also a shuttle bus from the visitor centre in Dalesford to the Gardens, which uh, runs every half an hour. And uh, there's also a market on, I believe, up there as well. Also on today, Reedsdale Bush Market. And uh, this is at the Agnes Mudford Reserve, which is at 2631 Kyneton Reedsdale Road in Reedsdale. There's going to be a heap of things there. It opens at 9 o'clock, finishes at 2 o'clock, so uh, you do need to get out there early if you want to participate in that market. There's going to be a huge variety of stalls You've got local produce, olives, honeys, jams, chutneys, preserves, etc. Cakes, there's going to be plants, including rare natives. There's going to be clothing, new and pre-loved. There's going to be uh, fishing tackle tools, furniture. The list just goes on and on and on. So that's all happening today. Um, As I say, it only runs till 2 o'clock this afternoon. So if you want to get on to that one, uh, I do recommend you go early. Today is also the second day of Heronswood Harvest Festival. This is Heronswood, of course, is part of the Diggers Club. And uh, there's going to be free on-site workshops. There's going to be free garden tours. Um, there's going to be the famous Harvest Taste Test. Um, you can enjoy lunch on the pool lawn. Uh, you can explore all the various forms of food production. Uh, you can have a look at the vegetable parterre. The diggers' mini plot example of high density growing, and uh, all sorts of things. Now their address is 105 Latrobe Parade in Dramana. Uh, entry for diggers club members and under 16s it's free. For visitors it's ten dollars. So as I say, that's all happening today, nine o'clock running right through until five o'clock this afternoon. Now, coming up uh, on the 13th, so in three days' time, Simon Rickard is going to be talking on heirloom vegetables and sustainable gardening at the March meeting of the Friends of the Melton Botanic Garden. Now, uh, I think most of our listeners know Simon. He does come onto the program regularly. Uh, Now, this is also going to be free admission And supper is going to be provided as well. So you can't have more than that. Goodness me. So next Wednesday, 13th of March, time 7.30. It's taking place at the Botanica Springs Community Centre. Now, that's at 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. Uh, You do need to RSVP and you do that to John Bentley. His phone number, 9743. 3819. Leave a message if it's unattended or you can email friends at fmbg.org.au Now, Open Gardens Victoria next uh, Saturday and only on the Saturday. It's not for the whole weekend. Um, They are opening up the Fair Share Kitchen Garden to the public. Now, um, if anyone of you have ever taken the train in on the uh, the Bridge line into the city you actually, the train goes right past, you look down on the Fair Share kitchen garden, it's huge yeah. and it's so productive um, so it's opening up just for the one day, uh, there'll be garden tours, special presenters will share their knowledge about backyard productive food gardening um, and avoiding food waste now Fair Share of course is a not for profit organisation it rescues food that would otherwise go to waste and cooks it into nutritious meals for people in need. The Abbotsford Kitchen Garden, which is the one that's opening, is one of three sites in Melbourne growing vegetables to to supplement more than 5,500 meals cooked by fair share for charities each day. Now, um, the particular garden at Abbotsford is 3,000 square metres. Uh, It will show how a former waste ground on VicTrack land has been transformed into a thriving urban veggie patch alongside the Victoria Park railway station. Now, you'll get to see firsthand how volunteers, um, under supervision of a horticulturalist, are working across 70 garden beds growing crops such as carrots, eggplant, zucchini, capsicum, and sweet potatoes. Uh, now, there'll be. Um, Guest speakers talking about bees and beekeeping, growing sweet potatoes and novel crops, worm farming and composting, food waste reduction, local urban agriculture and food waste avoidance and um, assessing disused disused sites to create a community garden. So uh, all of that is going to be taking place there, as I say, next Saturday. Now the address is 2 to 6 Luley Street in Abbotsford. Opening 10am, running through until 4.30. Entry is $8. Children under 18 are free. Students are $5. And as I mentioned, there'll be guided garden tours, program of talks and workshops. There'll be seeds and cuttings available. There'll be coffee. There'll be scones, jam and cream. Um, All of that available for next Saturday. Now, as usual, Open Gardens Victoria have been very kind. They've given us one free double pass. So, the first person who likes to uh, phone in to Carol on 941901 double five, 0155, um, you can get that free double pass. It will be posted out to you. Just give Carol uh, all your details, uh, but she'll, she'll speak to you about all of that. So, uh, first person to ring in 9419 0155. Uh, just a couple more I should mention. Um, Firstly, the Sunshine Golden Age Garden Club have got its 98th annual show. Gosh, they're doing well.
1: They're the same age as the Mount Macedon <laughs> District Horticultural Society. Well, there so you go. We're both going to be uh, celebrating our 100th on the same year.
0: Fantastic. Mm. Wow, that really yeah. will be something to celebrate. We'll have to have a joint party.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to meet somewhere in the middle <laughs> between Sunshine and Macedon. Yeah. I wonder
0: if any members <laughs> are, are rest, going to be... maybe. <laughs> Do you think any members are going to be turning 100 to match?
1: Oh, goodness knows.
0: <laughs> (laughs) I don't think
1: we've got any inaugural members still in our society (laughs) Okay,
0: okay Well, anyway, the show, as I say, um, taking place on Saturday the 16th of March 11am through to 4pm It'll be held at the Glengala Community Hall This is at the corner of Simi Street and Glengala Road in Sunshine Melway Map Reference 40E2 Admission is free and afternoon tea is available for that one And uh, finally, one I will mention quickly is um, the Cranbourne Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens there have got their autumn plant sale coming up Saturday and Sunday, 16th and 17th of March, 10 till 4 on both days. The location, of course, is down at the Royal Botanic Gardens there at Cranbourne. And there'll be a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots for sale, priced from $3 upwards. So it's a chance to go and purchase some plants and have a look around the Australian garden. Okay, well, we have to... Virginia? AB has just texted in to right. say that Coranga
3: has got their sale on this weekend through till next weekend. Oh, okay. Which makes... Mount Evelyn and Wandon, the place to be next weekend because okay. Bushland has their sale on the Saturday where right. Sue works at 110 Cleggs Road. Yep, Karanga will still be having their sale at 118 York Road, Mount Evelyn. And, of course, there will be Clives.
0: Yes, which we'll come to yeah. in a moment. Yeah. Stephen, before I leave it, you had a couple of oh, well, announcements. Oh, I've got one. You You've to...
1: actually mentioned one of the ones I had okay. paperwork for. But if anybody's at loose ends today and they're on my side of town... Um, the Bacchus Marsh Dahlia Show is on today. Okay. Um, and uh, they've got a huge range of different uh, Dahlia uh, sections within their their show schedule, and it's on today from twelve till five. So uh, obviously they've got to get the judging done first. Yes. Uh, it's at the Bacchus Marsh Town Hall. 207 Main Street, uh, and that's on today. And as far as I know, it's free entry, or if it is, it's just a gold coin. Okay. Um, and uh, if you really want to see dahlias at their best, it's always a good idea to go to a daily show, I've always felt. So that's the one I've got.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm delighted to uh, to welcome Clive Larkman into the studio. Yeah, it's getting a
4: bit chilly in here. <laughs>
0: and of course, Clive, you're from Renaissance Herbs.
4: That I am. Out in the Yarra Valley.
0: Yes, absolutely. But of course, that's not what you're here to talk about today. You're here to talk in. The specific detail about the Herb and Chilli Festival. I can't believe it's coming up
4: again already. (laughs) Goodness, it comes around quickly. It's the Ides of March already. Yeah, Yeah. it is. You're right. What happened? Remember remember when Christmases were two years apart and the other two weeks? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Dare we say it.
0: Yeah. Okay, so sixteenth and seventeenth, it's all happening.
4: Yep, yeah, and we're actually setting all up this weekend, so it's a busy weekend. Right. We've got all booked. Lots of lots of new chilies this year. Oh, lots really? Lots of new stand holders. All the old regulars coming back. It's yep. going to be a great one. And we've actually booked in Normie Rowe to do a concert on Saturday night. I saw that. It's a separ- separate ticketed event, but it's Normie Rowe coming out. So okay. me.
0: You must have twisted his arm heavily.
4: Um, no, is he a
0: keen chili? No, we fan. Were
4: actually had a Chinese New Year function. We met the guy that owns Grand Ridge Brewery. And right. He, and Eric said. What concert do you have on a Saturday night in Diane? I said, what, none. What's <laughs> concert <laughs> what concert? <laughs> he said, You've got two and a half thousand people at your fest on a Saturday afternoon and you've got nothing on a Saturday night. And we were up to Sydney for our Renaissance contra- uh, conference. By the time we got back, he'd booked Normie Rowe for a Saturday night and said, Well, that's what's happening. Wow. Oh. So, so
1: (laughs) it's it's happening despite you,
0: really.
4: (laughs) We asked four of our storeholders to stay open at night. Yeah, so we've got meals and great idea. Yes, he does the beer, we do the wine, and we've got four chili people. We've got Fano doing his pulled pork. We've got oh, the one one Hung Low Dumpling Company doing the chili. That's a risky name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I was talking the other day about. The much riskier name, Don and I last year went to visit the breeder of Carolina Reaper, the mm. world's hottest chili. And it's the Pucker Butt Pepper Company. Oh! <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I think
1: some people are really sort of getting he's, too close. He's eccentric.
4: Yeah, it sounds out. like it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we went and visited him in. We, actually, we missed him in South Carolina because it was a week after the, the hurricane went through and he'd gone back to the coast and visit his family. We went into his little shop and we almost couldn't breathe, the shop just smell chili. Wow. And he's bred a hotter chili than Carolina Reaper. Oh, and God.
1: Oh, How well hot does one need to have a chili, well, one has to ask.
4: I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys know about the Scoville scale. Oh, yes, yes, I know yes. about it, yes. Well, Carolina Reaper is about 2,000, 2,200,000. 2, the new ridiculous. one is 3.6 million. And he won't release the plant because it's too dangerous. Yes. But he just uses it for making his own sauce. No, okay. I can understand Chilling that that would be me. too dangerous. It's called Chili X. So we bought, he had 24 bottles of sauce there, so we bought them. It's the first time it's been released. We'll be auctioning it off in, at the festival. Okay. Yeah, so probably X. to young men who don't care about their lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's amazing that we run a competition stage. And we have a chicken wing eating competition, which is okay. We have a new one, a hot snag eating competition. Then we have shot and holler, but they've got to knock back a shot of tequila with a shot of super hot chili sauce and then holler because the chilli and the tequila makes your stomach go and then you're trying to yell so everyone has a good laugh and then Captain Chili, where they s- three heats. That's the last three standing in each heat, and it's the last person standing at the end. And I hope you've
1: got lots of St John's Ambulance people well, we, actually <laughs> we actually bring the ambulance
4: right up beside the marquee. Yeah, right I think that's, that's a really on, good on idea, Clive. <laughs> yes. There's a guy in Wagga called Jason Crowley who does a really good hot sauce, but he's been studying the neuroscience of Chile. Mm. Okay. And he's worked out that when you get to that level, there's two types of people. Some go catatonic and just stand very still, eating more chili. And the others dance around like a jumping bean and he's worked out how to fix neural pathways which is amazing, it's, it's like a drug and he's got this one called the hallucinator and oh. he, his girlfriend thought she'd try because she thought she should and she said, oh, I was out for a few minutes He she said, no, you've been out for half an hour, you've just been sitting there it's, Oh
3: you know. gosh, I just think they sound dangerous Yeah, though.
4: it sounds to me like uh, horticulture in, uh, is
1: heading in sort of uncharted territory here
4: <laughs> it's a bit frightening what we have noticed when we first started doing the super hot chilies i used to love it. about 80 percent of the chilies we sold were i got a mate oh yes oh, or yes. my father or my son or my husband now they're actually going back to the i want a chili that's got flavor not heat. Yes. yeah yes and that's Good. what i have got here quite a few brand new chilies, or well not brand new, new cultivars to the Australian market. Terrific. Eff- so, has
1: anybody ever counted how many different cultivars of chilies are out there, Clyde?
4: No, they're in the thousands. They're to say say the tom- t- same as tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've got to look at, there's the, I can never remember the, t- the name, but there was a period in the late 17th century when... the the old world and the new world were discovered to each other, and all of a sudden these food types moved across the world, potatoes, eggplants, all the solanaceae, Mm -hmm. chilies, tomatoes, and it revolutionised the way people ate. And chilies were one of those, and all of a sudden they spread around the world. Now, they all come from southern United States to central South America. Mm. But we think of paprika as Hungarian, don't we? Yes, we do. And (laughs) Thailand
3: or India without chili is just unimaginable. Yeah, Yeah,
4: exactly. And and some of these countries like Japan has its own chilies, and Hungary has its chilies, and Greece has its chilies. And even the French told the English off, you can't grow French paprika. Because it's French. And they said, of course we bloody grow it. But <laughs> 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 so None know. of them started in those places. No. Right? no. There you go. Yes, no. I think
1: exactly. the Peruvian should be out here telling us all what we can and can't grow, perhaps. Well, that's
4: the interesting shift. We, we've started collecting Peruvian chilies. ají Limon, Agi Citron, ají Trompeto are really different chilies. And then we have one like this called Char- Charapita. Beautiful little tiny chilies. Yeah, they're minute little yellow yeah. ones. And they're a medium heat. And so they would be fantastic for pickling. And... We've just released a new one this year, which is the wild Peruvian pepper. Different species all together, comes from the, the high country of Bolivia and Peru. Okay. Cold tolerant. Our parent plant is self spallion. It's grown vertically and then all the side branches come out in one plane.
3: Yesterday, at, um, I yeah, saw one called Chili Rocoto Red.
4: Yes, that's this one.
3: It is, is it? I it's wondered it. if it was.
4: Manzano, it comes in yellow, red, and orange. Manzano or ricotta, and it loves the Yarra Valley. It's the perfect growing climate. And he said he could grow it in the shade. Yeah, it'll grow in part shade to full sun. It'll it'll fruit right through through the winter. It'll grow up at your place. At the, um, the... All right, I'm happy to try yeah. it out. And it's, the difference about it's a very different fruit. It's the only fruit with purple seed, and it's very hard to dry. It's what we call a wet fruit. Mm. Inside, it's very moist. It looks like a capsicum. So you just use it as a fresh fruit, would you? No, generally? no, it's very hot. Mm. Very hot. The whole idea of hot chilies is not eating them. Mm. It's you pick them, you take the seed and the pith out, and you do that for aesthetic purposes. There's mm. no heat in the seed. And you make a paste with a bit of olive oil, you mm. put it in the fridge, and that'll last two years, and you just use the paste for your cooking. And you get to know exactly how hot it is and how much to use. It's, it's not about yeah, After you've blown off. your, your oh. taste palates out. And <laughs> <laughs> and
3: but and what press.
0: I love about the Manzano is that it's got true flavour. It's, it's, it's fleshier than a lot of the chilies.
4: It is. Is that what you grow, Pam? Because yes, you grow that's an amazing the one. I grow. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But if you talk to chilli people, they've all got flavour. Right. And I went and picked some chilies from our bushes last night. Uh, they I show you the range of colours and flavour and styles. Oh, God, there's a I black. think this one's beautiful. Yep, yeah, that's that one. That's the ripe and the unripe. That's the okay. Hungarian. Okay, it's black. It's black. Black, red, and, red yeah. to and black. The
2: other one's maroon, isn't and it? That's black. But That's the colour it ends up when
4: it's ripe. Right. Then we've got the white. That would be beautiful on the bush. Oh, yeah, it is. And then the white ghost. That's oh. a white book butch- butch- locker, so you don't want to eat that. Oh, it's really hot, is it? isn't it? It was the world's hottest until 2006. Right, so we okay. won't eat that. But no, they, no. Look, they just look so calm and it's peaceful. It's very pretty. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's actually a uh, real cream. <laughs> oh, no. And that one's called Pink Tiger, which is a beautiful colour again. Yeah, it's sort of a, uh, an apricot-y this sort This is of my colour. favourite. When the bush is full, it's got looks like a bush of snakes, and it's called Joe's Long Cayenne. Really okay. beautiful, but are be thirty or forty of those on a bush this size. Yes, and they're long, narrow, yeah. actually, yep. so that's pink. I can't what is pink? I can not remember what to pink something.
3: It's barely pink. It's it's salmon.
4: Yeah, well... Yeah. It's a lovely colour. You do know that horticulture is the colour blind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many things are blue I noticed I know, in nurseries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and red is another good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a That's a sort of solid orangey shade of orange, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's Trinidad Scorpion Chocolate, not because it's chocolate flavoured, because it's chocolate coloured. Yeah. And that's the old Carolina Reaper. That's the world's hottest. Yeah. They're just so innocent looking.
3: Yeah. If you grew the red one, uh, the the white one it's a beautiful with the black one next to each other, it, that would be just stunning. Look, yeah. Yeah, really? black and white chilies.
4: The colours really are amazing. Mm. And, and The purple tiger actually has variegated purple and white foliage, so it's, it's okay. very interesting. You could call the black and
2: white uh, combination. Collingwood. There, Collingwood yeah, where you there. were going, yeah, yes. Yeah, I know.
4: And then you whack that one and it's St. Fildes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I say about St. Fildes, it's the only football team that can l- lose from any winning margin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a killer supporter since the early '60s. So. Yeah, uh, well, so we, you're allowed to say things. I like am. Yeah. We 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 feel sorry for you. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes, you're just saying that. Oh
2: dear. Now,
0: to get back to the festival, though, yes. we've been talking all these incredible heat chilies. Mm. But people who can't cope with a hot chilli, there's going to be plenty for them as yeah, well, isn't the there? it's called
4: Herb and Chilli yeah, Festival. Yeah. Yeah, Thank so you.
1: They can come and get yeah. basil or something. Yeah. Yeah. Her- <laughs> we've got
4: to stand drink amazing herbal teas. You might have seen them at the Belgrave uh, market on, once a month. And we've got really good food from all over the world. So Africa an African barbecue, a brand new one. Big slabs of red meat on the barbecue. It looks really good. So that's for the vegans, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a, a vegan standard as vegan food. And yeah. we've got a gosleme, with really nice it's, it's, yeah, We've got about 16 or 17 stands just doing meals. What is a gosleme? It's, it's yummy. It's like a sort of Greek, ver- uh, Turkish. Turkish version of a spanakopita. It's one way of describing right. it. Right. It's a very nice pastry filled with um, various cheeses and spinach and, other, and meats. Right. Really, okay. really nice. We don't have common food. One, one year we had a. What, no, Susie? <laughs> <system>. No. All right, bunny. by the way, this is on the way in. We're doing Replacing Tesla's Festival next year. Yes. We, we, we couldn't organise it this year because we didn't have time, but we'll be, next year we'll be doing it. I think it's. Oh, Di went and organised. And Steve's emceeing it. It, it.
1: It's the weekend before oh. Anzac Day. Yes. <laughs> Di went
4: and finally got all the dates sent out to everybody, booked them all in. I said, honey, that's Anzac Day. Yeah. Can't <laughs> do that. we so, <laughs> got to come back So it's the so weekend it's before, course. which I think
1: so is the 14th, 15th, something like that. Eight,
4: uh, 18th, 19th. 18th, yeah, 19th. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's, that's going to be two days or one day? Two days. Mm-hmm. Two days. Yeah. I can't understand why you do a one-day festival. Yeah. You know to work no, two there's days. Too, too much work for work. one day. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> wait wait it two night. days is not much extra work. Yes. yes. So, so
3: April, April 18th, 18th and 19th, 19th next year.
4: And we'll also be doing our spring plant fair. So we're doing two every year. Okay. So why? Because you can. Because you're nuts. Because yeah, <laughs> you've I, got the land to cope with yeah, it too. And when we setting out for chilli festival, we are doing it yesterday, and my son said, it seems so much easier. And I said, it's only four months since we did the plant fair. And everything's still in place. All yeah, yes. you,
1: yeah, once you get into the role of some of those things... You're in the whole swing easier. of it. Yes. It's never easy, but it becomes easier <laughs> yeah. to manage those it's things done. once you've got the techniques Well, we we'll put thousands
4: of dollars in power, because when you do a food festival, your biggest headache is power. Yeah. Right. I hate to insult people, but some people are just plain dumb. Yeah. We had one lady one day saying, I've only got 10 amps, and my Sparky said, no, you've got 10 amps, 10 amps, 10 amps, and 10 amps. That's 40 amps. No, it's only 10. <laughs> and he, he nearly pulled his hair out, because she, she just kept tripping all the fuses. Oh. And they have no idea. no one had a fantastic new band set up, all done properly inside with fuses, one 10 amp cable coming out of it. Mm. They just blew everything. Oh. And so power for the first three hours on the Saturday morning is just going around adjusting fo- extension cords and plugging it all in. Yep. Because mm. it, it's not till you have an electric fries and m- bain-maries you realise how much power is actually used at these events. Mm. So that's a big headache.
3: You'll have to go solar.
4: <laughs> we are solar. Um, <laughs>
3: On that, on that
4: site? Yes, it is solar, but it can't generate enough power for all this. No, no. And I'll be a little bit political. There's a new thing on my bill called a supply charge. We've got solar on both sites. The supply charge is what they work out. They take your peak usage between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. For a half hour, they add a factor to it, they multiply it, they create a daily charge, which they give you for every day of, the month of that month. So that's the power that you might have wanted to use, but you didn't want to use it, so we're going to charge you for it anyway. So I'm going to say to everybody, you have to, you owe me ten dollars because you might go to the nursery and buy one of my plants. Yeah. <laughs> and Because yeah. you might, you're going to give me ten dollars. Yeah. That sounds fair. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't, are don't really like
3: They are really trying to punish solar. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
4: So what they're now doing that's this month the supply charge was higher than my usage charge. Mm. So that I paid more money for not using the power that I sh- that I might have wanted to use. Yes. And I crazy. I raised, back in September 17, we were told about it. I raised it with the state minister, the federal minister. I raised it with everybody and they all said, what are you talking about? Not, not happening. And all of a sudden it's there. So yeah. mm. watch this space. But yeah, we're all, we are all solar and it's great. We're solar in the dam that pump it's, Unfortunately, where we are in Wandon, mm. we're limited to a maximum of 14 kilowatts.
3: Okay. They are a particularly bad supplier that yeah. we have in
4: Wandon and yeah. Seville. And because you're limited to the maximum capacity for the transformer on the street. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So your choice is you pay 100 grand to upgrade the transformer or you just put the 14 kilowatts in. Mm. Yep. And we did invest. invest and they don't tell you about this in the solar companies. We spent 5000 on the switch. So when the power drops out, we disconnect from the grid and we've got power to our, all our pumps. Mm. It's an expensive switching, but it means you, when the power goes, you've still got power. Mm. Yes. Um, whereas most people, once the power goes, you're off grid as well. Mm. But yeah. yes, it's going to be a fantastic event. We've got Hot, hot Sauce Alley. Yes. eight of the world's, Australia's hottest sauce producers. And one day I asked, I said, Rob, why do we need so many hot sauce? Isn't it all the same? And he said, well, you go to a car show and you see Lamborghini and Ferrari mm. and Maserati... Mm. Well, it's the same here. You walk out um, to your Volkswagen yeah. <laughs> and smile. Get yeah. heads. I drove in America for a year and a half. And I lived in a Volkswagen Combi. It was fantastic. And
3: Clive, are you selling plants as well? Yes,
4: we'll have um, about 35 yeah. metres of, of all our chilies and all our herbs available. Fantastic, brilliant. But um, yeah, the Clive, amazing. Clive, tell the listeners where it's at. One two five quail You've got to spell it Q U A Y L E Road Wandon. But just drive up to Wondon and you'll see the signs between Wandon and Seville. When, how to get there mm-hmm. Fantastic
3: And give yourself the weekend Because you've got Karanga You've got bushland And you've got this So it's going to be an absolute joy so Lots a
4: lot to do <coughs> I suggest you come out Do us on a Saturday have, Stay for the concert Stay at the one of local bed and breakfast Get up in the morning Go to visit the local nurseries In that Mount Evelyn strip there mm. Karanga mm. is one of the most amazing nurseries I've seen in, anywhere in the world Oh it's it just, is it's, yep. Every time I've got a foreign visitor I take them there Because they can buy Australian food With Australian herbs And it's just an amazing place it's Yep yeah. Uh, and bushland also yeah, wonderful
3: yeah. because they have so many beautiful cheap plants
4: and what you're, what you're planning for next year it'll still be at this same site yes, the, all, yes. all the festivals are at this site yeah. and it's got 700 parking spaces which are free mm-hmm. we, pay, we pay not gold coin donation we pay the CFA to do the parking mm-hmm. so we have that and it's free for kids right. and all the kids entertainment's free that's it's, the pony it's Watch ride. Your Child Go Red When It Eats a Chilli is one of the games. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Oh. <laughs> but we do have a problem. You often get 13, 14, 15-year-old kids that want to eat the chilies like their mum and dad do. Yeah. But it's a real fine line. Yes. But we have pony rides, animal farm, jumping castles, face painting, and we've just got a new one for the adults. The adult what, woman. face painting? No. Oh. What's the most famous sort of carnival sideshow game you see, you think of? The Strikers, you know, we get the big bang and the... Yeah, oh yes, yes. oh, yes. We've hired one of those for the weekend, and the, it, that'll be a gold coin, go donation to the CFA for that one. Yeah. So, but y- so but all you the guys
1: will be trying to show off to their girlfriends. Oh, and yeah. Oh,
4: you're oh, not yeah. going to have a that. boxing stand, though, are <laughs> eh? like you? Like you used to see at the show. You no, know, but we yeah. do have Luca Libra. Yes. That's the Mexican version of World World WWF. It's their, the masked wrestling group, and they come and do a one-hour display and get the kids up and, with all their masks and their uniforms. Oh, and really? Are hilarious. Yeah, okay. good fun. So we've got four stages running all day. Yeah. We had Danny Van doing the Fe- festival chef on the chef stage with cooking classes every mm-hmm. every forty minutes. Mm-hmm. We've got another stage with music all day, and, and the Peruvian dancers are amazing. Though. Oh, they're great. Oh, the, the, <laughs> their uniforms and their costumes are fantastic. Yes. And a Brazilian group called Inca Marca with fantastic flutes, and then we've got another stage with the competitions, and then another one which is some dancing and some talks and a new product release. Wow. So it's yeah, far too much, much to do, really. It is. And maybe a little bit later we can open and try this one. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for no, a beer, no, isn't no, it? What is it? It's, it's Angry Ranga. It's
1: oh. chilli
4: chili and ginger beer. Uh, that sounds a little risky, but anyhow,
1: we could, not before the program's finished, because some of us might lose our voices. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: that would yeah. be really unfortunate on yeah. radio. It would be a worry, wouldn't it? Now, yeah.
0: Clive, people can, can actually get their tickets online before next weekend to say yes. queuing up.
4: And, and if they go online, they get one of our free... Uh, What is it? Free hats. Oh, oh, a Mexican hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You so if you, really like deal, <laughs> <laughs> if you really yes. want to look like a deal, if you look online, you get a free hat every year. We get a new hat made up, and we had a Facebook post. Someone had like four last four years hats all in the line on the on the bench. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, it's it's something so you could get this year's model. Mm. <laughs> and, and my wife's worked out that's ten dollars, so it's a forty-three percent discount. She's worked out. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, buy right, online, right. get a free hat, avoid the queues. Uh, concession prices are fourteen, and adults are twenty-four, and the kids are free.
0: Okay. Mm. So how did they go? online?
4: www.herbchilifestival.com.au. Easy. Too probably. easy. Really easy. Yep. That's good. And in the modern world, you don't even have to say, you just have to say we're online and everyone finds it. Yeah, they know how to do it now. Much quicker than we do, <laughs> hey? Yeah. yeah much <laughs> quicker than me anyway. Yeah.
0: If you don't know how to, find a teenager.
4: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: They'll right. soon tell you. Costs. $24 cost?
4: for adults, $18 for concession, 65 for a family. So it's quite reasonable. Mm, um, Definitely, there's enough entertainment there. We've got we sold about 20 weekend passes already because people work out they need two days to come and sit and see everything. You see them with their little program at the start of the festival, working out what they're going to go and see, what they're going to go and do, and who they're going to visit. Right. And there's some just amazing foods. And our friend comes down from Goulburn from the lavender farm up there, and all the lavender jams and lavender conserves and fresh lavender. It's it really is just a great two days. Don't eat before you come. Probably don't eat on the Friday. <laughs> and you won't eat for about a week after. <laughs> no, because you'll, you'll be full. It's yeah, just, it's, yeah. It's, it's, um, and yeah. the food is just really... we a new one. is your Benny's French Baguettes. And the,
3: the, So you just go to Lilydale and then head for the Warburton
4: Highway. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, and you'll see the signs. And mm-hmm. we did have someone come in one year. And he said, why isn't there a sign out here saying Herb and Chili Festival? He said, because there's 650 cars parked in the paddock with red flags everywhere. <laughs> I reckon you could have guessed that's the Chili Festival. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, you can, if, if people want to, they can also choose to just go yep. to the Normie Row concert, can't yep, they? Yep,
4: they can. And that's a separate ticket altogether. Yep. That's $30 um, online or on the gate. And, yeah, just come in. At, if you cut that opens at 4.30, the gate's for that, so you get the last hour of the chilli festival. Okay. And then you sit around, have a meal and watch Normie play and sit on the grass and... Bargain. Yeah, it's just a really pleasant place to be. And the weather's going to be perfect this year. It is. We got done last year with that total fire ban. Right. Because Friday night, the news went to air saying festivals in the hills cancelled. Oh, oh, dear. So we got phone calls after phone calls. Are you still operating? Oh. And then on Sunday, it rained with the total fire ban. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's <laughs> like having a
1: fire and then snow. Yes. Which seems to have happened up in the mountains. Bubble. This, yes. Yeah, mm. this year. So God knows what the weather's doing to us, but anyhow.
4: It's always interesting, isn't it? Oh. Or in Tasmania, they're struggling to fight the fire because it was snowing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, it's crazy. We're going to open up uh, very belatedly. We're going to open up our talkback lines because uh, while we have Clive in the studio, if listeners would like to ask Clive a bit more about um, chilies or about any aspect of the festival. Do feel free to give us a call. Now the number is nine four one nine zero one double five. To speak to the team on air we have Stephen Ryan, Virginia Hayward, Graham Sargent and of course Clive Larkman from Renaissance Herbs. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Sue on the outside line, her number is nine. Four one nine eight three double seven. Stephen, you've brought all these plants in. Let's oh yeah, quickly
1: cover them. a couple. And before I mention them, they are up on the Facebook page. So people, if they want to see what they look like, I put the photos up or I sent the photos in yesterday to go up on the Facebook page. So they're there and I'll try and remember to do them in order on the Facebook page. Might be a good idea. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about is... And abutilin I grow for its foliage, not for its flowers. Uh, it does get quite attractive little orange flowers, but its foliage is so over the top you never see them. Um, it's a very old variegated form of abutilin uh, called Souvenir de Bon. It only grows to around about a metre and a half. It'll grow about as wide, and it has this very broad irregular white band around each leaf, and in fact some leaves are almost pure white. So it's a very striking variegation, so it's not for those timid gardeners who are not into variegations necessarily, uh, it's not 100% stable, so you do need to watch for green shoots that come up through it and mm. remove them as soon as you find them. But otherwise, a very going plant, and it tolerates quite a bit of shade, which makes it quite useful, I think, because that bright, variegated foliage stands out really well in the shade. So that's a Butylene Souvenir de Bonne, uh, and as I say, it's an old heritage of Butylene, uh, I like variegation, so I'm going to talk about another one. Uh, a plant you rarely see for sale anymore, and that's rather sad because it's an easy shrub to grow, although it's not that easy to propagate, and that's probably why you don't see it round. There's a variegated azara. Many people are familiar with azara microphyla, with its minute little flowers that scent the whole garden with vanilla. Well, this is a vi- uh, another azara called integrafolia variegata, funnily enough, and it's a large large evergreen shrub with a sort of an arching fanny form. It has a very pretty form to it. It gets yellow flowers in the autumn. Um, The flowers are not overly spectacular and they don't stand out against the variegated foliage terribly well, but it's quite nicely perfumed. Um, And if you're in an area that gets frost, the variegation in the leaf gets a pink tinge to it in the winter when the cold hits. Mm -hmm. And so you get this sort of creamy, lemony sort of edge to the leaf that gets this sort of pink staining through it in the winter. Uh, So it's an elegant and very attractive shrub. I can remember it was one of those things that the only place you used to be able to buy it was up at Como Nurseries in the basin years ago when Chandler still had Como Nursery going. They were about the only people growing this variegated Azara. And I've now got one in the nursery garden that would be three and a half metres tall, I suppose, and two metres wide. Is the
3: scent vanilla Uh,
1: it's, no, it's sweeter. It's not quite the same sort of perfume as, as Zara microphyla, but it's a very pleasant perfume, and it does flower at a different time of the year than microphyla because it tends to flower about August, so this one tends to be more autumnal. Uh, so it's a worthy plant if you can get it. I mean, I find it difficult to strike, and I only ever have a handful of them to sell, Uh which I have got at the moment, but it's been two years, I think, since I've had any to sell. Um, but it's certainly worth the effort because it's a really interesting variegate. So there you go. Mm. Two of my variegated things. And before any calls come in, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Laura petalums. Mm. Everybody is selling purple leaf laurel petal and pink certainly flowers. Are. They are everywhere. <laughs> and I mean, they're good shrubs. Uh, they're one of the few evergreen shrubs with that burgundy purpley foliage, so it makes them really useful in the garden. I like their habit with that sort of nice archy habit. But I have to say, my favourite. One is one that you don't see sold very often, and it has a sort of a chocolatey foliage. It's not quite as dark as, uh, as Plum Gorgeous and all those other ones that are out there. Uh, it's a more chocolatey colour, but it has white flowers, which I think is a particularly nice combination. Um, I'm not so fond of the pink confection ones, and I don't know whether that's just because I've got sick of them and they're everywhere, or... Well, I don't have a great love for pink in general, so that's probably me. Mm. Uh, but I think this white one with the chocolatey foliage is particularly lovely, and it goes under the reasonably appropriate but rather boring name of bicolour. Mm. So, Laura Pedlum, why bicolor? Bicolor because it's got brown leaves and white flowers, I guess.
3: And how big does it get?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, Clive, but that's that's the only reason I can... uh, It's a shrub probably, in time, it will get up to about two metres tall, uh, and it arches over. It could easily be wider than it is tall. Uh, They're very prunable. They're fairly drought-tolerant once they get their roots down. They seem to be able to cope with the heat reasonably well. What about frost? Really frosty weather will burn them, particularly Mm. uh, as young plants. The older they get, the more they seem to be able to cope with the frost. I certainly can grow them outdoors at Macedon without thinking twice about it. Okay. But if I was growing them perhaps in Kyneton or Trentham maybe or some of the areas with really heavy winter frosts, they could get burnt there. Uh But certainly around Melbourne, I mean, we don't get enough cold in Melbourne to worry anything like this anymore. Uh, And although it's wood is brittle so it's easy to snap if you try to fiddle with it too much Uh, if you are careful with it it can actually make quite a nice espalier uh, growing on a fence
3: it's also very nice cloud pruned yeah it makes a really good cloud pruning and you
1: could standardize it as well there's lots of things you could do with it that aren't being done necessarily Uh, and one of my clients bought the pink flowered bronzy leafed one and he's planted it on mass along the front of his house and the colour of the house is sort of a mushroomy colour, and he's got the burgundy of the laurel petalum all the way along. I think he put about 30 of them in, in a sort of an irregular pattern. They're not just in a row, because it's quite a wide bed. Mm. And they look stunning. They look really beautiful. It's a modern house, and it's just this big planting of the laurel petalums along the front. Um, and I think it's a wonderful shrub. But yeah, bicolour, I think, is probably my favourite form, although I still like the old green leaf one with white flowers. I think it's beautiful.
4: Mm. Steve, just on that issue about frosting. When a plant gets frosted, when the leaves get burnt, you should leave them on the bush until spring. Oh yes. Oh, spring. yes. yes. Most people gardens, don't we, you cut them off, and it's the plant's own internal protection. It's the same with chilies. In the winter, the tops of the uh, stems die off, and the leaves die off, so we cut them off. They die off. They cut off. Yeah. yeah. In the end, you end up with nothing. No, so if you just leave it there, it's the way the plant protects itself. Mm. Same with hydrangeas. You shouldn't remove the dead flower heads. They're there to protect the young buds over winter. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, so pruning is one of those things you avoid, particularly with frost tender plants. Mm. I think
3: it's the same now, too. Yeah. I mean, I really want to get into my garden and prune, but to prune until I know that really hot weather's gone is just foolish. Yes, well, it, it is, because
1: you open the plant up to sun getting into areas that it didn't get into before. So, of course, those leaves are then going to burn as well. Mm. Although the days are getting shorter, so hopefully... Mm. Hopefully we're getting beyond that. Yeah. Oh, we're fine. Summer's mm-hmm. finished. It's in autumn. Yeah, well, <laughs> so the calendar tells me. <laughs> no, no. It's, so it's some, dry as though. No, the
4: weather tells me. In the morning we, we've got chills. I think we're about nine degrees in, in Coldstream. The yeah. Day. That tells me autumn's here. Yeah. But you all know, you just know that the day winter, summer starts and day it ends, you just feel it in your bones that the weather's changed.
3: But the other thing that's changed is we're not getting the rain in autumn that we used
2: to get.
1: No, no, we're getting it in spring instead. So our Mm. springs are going on longer and it was wet right up till Christmas and just after this year and now it's dry as a bone. And I always used to say, oh, if I can get past Christmas, it's only eight to ten weeks. Mm. But it's not really because it's extending out at the other end.
4: But we are, Melbourne is dry. That's why we grow lavender in Victoria Mm. because they don't like rain post-Christmas. And that's why you can't grow them in Sydney because it rains in February. So, yeah, yeah, we've always been dry from... of mid December through to mm-hmm. mid March. Yeah, yeah, rain once a week but never really much.
3: Last March it didn't rain once.
4: Yeah. Yes, it did. No, it did. It rained on Sunday the 7th. Se- oh, yes, <laughs> the March. Yeah, Clive <laughs> just I can tell you.
1: Gifted <laughs> your For place. a very, just very just place, good yeah. reason, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
5: Sorry.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but probably only that day. And, that was, and it was only in the valley. Clive will okay. never forget it. <laughs> we, still, we still had fires on the western side of Melbourne, so yeah. Uh, goodness <laughs> me. Ah, yeah. oh,
0: dear.
2: Well, we had a frost at our place two, two nights ago. Mm. Yeah, so yes. that, that tells yeah. you that summer's finished and autumn's yeah.
4: now in there and yeah. the plants start to
2: change. And there's it? plenty of moisture, I, even this morning, on the leaves. Yeah. That,
1: yeah, that little bit of condensation yeah. sort of building up, which yeah. is quite good. Mm. Uh, have we got just time for another plant? Or?
0: Uh, I'll just give out the phone oh, lines. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. If people would like to join us, we'd love to hear from you. The number to speak to the team on air, nine four one nine zero one double five, or if you'd like to have a chat to Sue on the outside line, nine four one nine eight three double 7, seven Stephen
1: all right I bought in a tiny chymus or pineapple lily these are really hard to sell because people come into the nursery they look at my plants and they say oh, I grow them bigger than that <laughs> because they look like the normal pineapple yes, lily, yes. but they only grow a few inches tall. Uh, so they're tiny little minute things. This one's Euchumus zambesiaca, um, and uh, it's the cutest little thing, and unlike the big ones, it doesn't flop about. So it's a nice pot plant. It's nice in a rock garden or whatever. Its flowers start off white and they go green. This one's gone green now. It has a little pineapple top knot on the top of them, and they're tough little buggers. And it's very fragrant. Yeah, and, and they're we not...
4: introduced... That to the marketplace about fifteen years yeah. ago. We put two or three thousand out there. It sold about twenty. Mm. It's just very, very hard to sell it. You see that in the ground when it's you've got a, fi- a tw- ten square meter yeah. all coming up now and all flowering. It's just stunning. Yeah, mm.
1: I love the little eucalyptus. Yeah. But uh, for some reason or another, everybody who buys eucalyptus wants great big ones. And, and so I don't find them that easy to sell either. I have to they say they sell
4: really easy in New Zealand, Europe, and America. Just not. Australia yeah
1: I don't know what it is but yeah I, I do have to say I'm becoming the grumpy old man and when people come in and say oh I grow them bigger than that I'm inclined to snap um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I wouldn't have done once upon a time I would have just tried to explain to people that this is a miniature variety you know the pineapple lily mm. there's yeah.
3: a really beautiful small and very very dark one yeah. in the botanical
1: well oh god no wellen starts with a W, well and, well and something, and I. I'll have to get one of them. Yeah, it has dark splotty it's foliage. It's very dark Yeah, and, and smaller. And I did years ago have one which I stupidly lost through lack of knowledge about how to grow these things, um, shifii which has leaves that lie flat on the ground and they're quite broad and paddle-like burgundy on the reverse, grey-green on the top and little burgundy flower heads and it was stunning and I killed it and I had the one seedling that I got up from seed that I got from South Africa donkey, donkeys years ago I've never seen it anywhere else ever again
4: so if anybody's got eucamish shiffy eye, I, I want it <laughs> We, we in Portaholid of Bulbs please, bre- please, A breeder yeah. um, in the North Island of New Zealand, Eddie Walsh and he was breeding all the tiny, piney pearl and these really yeah. dwarf, very fragrant ones back in about 2005, mm. 2007, and just never sold us. Disappointing, because they're yeah. beautiful plants. Yeah,
1: it's sad that some things don't take off like they should. Yes. Uh, you wonder about what people get in, engaged with in the nursery trade. I mean, some plants are planted in vast quantities, and I've never quite got my head around why people even like some of those plants. I mean, James Sterling Pytosporums, Golden Diosmas, you know, you can rattle them off. There's a whole pile of things.
3: Golden Diosma is one of the most horrible plants on earth.
1: Yeah, especially when it's in flower. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You
4: know, who needs a gold foliage plant with pink flowers on it? One one of the funniest ones, we sell salvia discolour, the Peruvian salvia, which is beautiful, silver leaves, shiny black flowers. Cannot sell it to a garden centre. Yeah, we do a garden show. It's the first plant we sell out of. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the
1: collectors will take it because it's really pe- interesting, and the
4: people love it too. Once they see that beautiful black flower, mm. man, it's just it's stunning. There's, there's not many blacks, yeah. in the, true yeah. blacks in the but garden. But yes,
1: you just don't know what is going to be a seller for Mm. plants. Uh, Certainly a bad name doesn't help, you know, and there are plants out there that are given dreadful cultivar names, Mm. which really do not help the plant at all. Uh, But sometimes it's for no apparent reason. It's just the plant is not well known. It never becomes well known. It never gets publicised well. The public just don't engage with it. um, And it just sits there in the periphery. and never becomes a really popular plant, which is sort of odd. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, let's get to our first caller. We have uh, Mem out in Carnegie. Good morning, Mem.
6: Hello. Um, Basically, Stephen, it's for you. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about a compost heap.
1: All right, good. I love compost.
6: (laughs) I was very secure in throwing out my lemons, um, although it would be only one or two a day. Um, However, I, at one stage, had mass suicide or murder with hundreds and hundreds of worms. Now, this compost heap has been in this position forever, mm. so I don't think it was a heat problem, although it was a hot day. Mm. Um, and the Did lid you see them
3: imp- dead, Mem? Sorry? Did you actually see them dead?
6: Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, sadly. They're now... In- well, they then would turn to compost themselves. Yes, well, um, exactly. Um,
5: yeah, the
6: lid was so hard to get off. Now, it, I almost had to have... You know, like a stick or something to prise it off. Mm. Um, And I thought that that was um, important to know.
3: Um, Is it in the sun?
6: Is it in the sun? Well, it's never moved.
1: Yeah, but if it is getting direct sun on it, um, well, it's
6: not getting very much. It's on the south side of an of a fence. And down down a sideway.
4: One difference is that really hot day, it was later in the year, so the sun could have been coming from a different angle, whereas the last Mm. 20 years the sun hasn't actually hit the box. But this year, because it's just that little bit later, the Mm. sun's hit it for the first time in 20 years.
6: That's true. Oh. Yeah, I, they, look, I
1: still think if you have a mass murder of your, your worms, it tends to be to do with heat, heat usually. Yep. Uh, uh, I mean, if it's Why? too dry, they tend to go down further into the compost heap and disappear lower. Um, if it's really hot, that tends to fry them. So I reckon, well, Clive's right, I think the sun got on it at a time that you wouldn't have expected it to and got it's hot.
6: N- never in 30 years done that. Now, so well,
1: I've got plants... Although
6: we've had hot days.
1: Yeah, but, Mim, I've got plants that are drying out in my garden this year that haven't been watered in 20 years so the heat and the dryness this late in the season I've got dogwoods that are burning at the moment that are trees they're you know they're they're five meters tall and they're looking really sad and I'm actually having to water them and I haven't had to water them in 20 years so yep. the weather is different this year uh, or a little yep. more extreme this year than it has been for ages uh, yep. and I just I still think it's the heat that's knocked them about uh, sorry cool. but I think that's what it is and you
4: also had that very cool pew for four weeks beforehand mm. so the worms have all got relaxed, started breeding, started moving around then all of a sudden, bang, mm. hot section and then cool again. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's uh, very hard because we never remember what it really was like the last few years. We think. We remember. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And look, certainly there's obviously yeah. it's too late to do anything about it now. Um, but the worms will breed back again. I mean, there'll be survivors. Well, yeah. mm. You know, there'll be worms under there that will come back in again. Now that the weather is actually starting to cool down a bit, even though it's not raining yet, um, uh, they'll they'll breed back again. They breed fairly quickly. Um, and that's uh, so not
6: not not too lemon today. No. <laughs> No, I, look, I
1: throw citrus peels and all sorts of crap in my compost heap, and I don't think twice of it, and every time I dig compost out, it's full of worms. Um, I, 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 think, I think it's a bit of a misnomer, unless you're putting in bucket loads of citrus.
3: I put no. bucket loads of citrus in because I've got 15 trees. Oh, that's
2: right, you've got all those And lemons. I never
3: put them in my worm farm, but I do put them, because I don't put them in my worm farm, I put the most enormous amount of onion and okay. lemons in my compost, And the worms are fine in my compost. They just avoid it. I I still wouldn't put it in my worm farm.
1: No, no, I wouldn't do that because that's a different sort of thing. But I think what
3: you. Have you got a black. Is it a black bin that you've got for your compost, Mem?
6: Either the dark. It's a Getty. Getty Oh, yes, the old green Getty. And I think they're generally. I think
3: think next year what you need to do is either tack up um, a bit of shade over it just for the summer or on the really hot days just water it to, to take the heat out of the plastic.
6: Sure. Okay. Because
3: I, I think Stephen's right. It's going to be the heat. Okay. Oh, bugger. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yes, the uh, appropriate thing to say at about that point. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> quite. Part, uh, another question about the compost hay. I generally have tiny little beasts around the top. Mm. Now, they wouldn't be bigger than a pinhead. mm but millions of them. Yeah, it could they? be
1: vinegar flies or something yes, like I that. Yes,
3: yeah, I Yeah, ha- I have all sorts of things. Yeah. Me, particularly my worm farm, I've got, in, including sometimes maggots, which is not nice. Yeah, but, but I don't worry get...
1: about any of the extraneous critters that show up in your compost heap, because most of them are there to do just what the worms are doing, and that's feed off your compost uh, and put back into it again. So mm. uh, if I open up my compost at all and there's... there's centipedes and all sorts of weird stuff come running out. Occasionally a mouse nest gets mm. uncovered. Mm. Um, uh, it's all grist for the mill. You know, so
6: red, well, I was just what what earth, I just wondered what on earth they were.
1: Yeah, look, it could be vinegar flies. Without seeing them, it's a bit hard to say, uh, but they're really? common in compost heaps, so they'd be one of my, my main suspects, I would think. you're I get, environment. I get yeah. no... Mm. They
6: don't seem to develop into anything.
1: No, no. They, no, no, they, 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 they are, are what they are. Mm. Oh. So okay. yeah, so and they don't do any real harm or anything. So it's nothing. to no, worry I about. didn't.
6: I didn't think they were a problem, but no. you know, my murder was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Massacre Great.
1: at the compost heap, unfortunately.
6: <laughs> yeah, I did have another question, but I can't remember it. No,
1: not... <laughs> oh well, maybe another day, Mim.
6: Yes, thank you. Okay. Right. <laughs> Enjoy your holiday. I will. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join
0: us this morning, we have Stephen Ryan, Virginia Haywood, Graham Sargent and Clive Larkman from Renaissance Herbs mm-hmm. in the studio. Do give us a call, nine four one nine zero one double five, to speak to the team on air or to have a chat to Sue on the outside line, 9419 8377. Graham, let's get to the rose you brought in this morning. You've actually brought one that's flowering this <laughs> week. <laughs> well done.
2: And isn't it beautiful? Uh, yes, Pam, this is apricot nectar And uh, it can be used as a bush in, in the garden Or if you let it go, it will climb It'll get, it'll get up to about a, about two metres And um, it's very prolific, as, as you've observed uh, Bred by the famous Herbie Swim in, in uh, the United States He's bred a lot of fantastic roses And does certainly have a perfume Everybody asks for perfume now It's usually the first question yep. And to describe the colour, it's um, buff to uh, yellow in colour And um, it's, it's a very popular colour Not unlike um, people would remem- remember Of course Just Joey A little bit lighter in colour than Just Joey mm-hmm. And got a good perfume And has al- always been a healthy grower Yeah, so not um, too much black spot and disease mm, issues yeah. with it yeah, mm. it's, It stands out in, in, in the nursery And, and um, of course to, this weekend we've got a sale on it at the nursery Buy one, get one free How's mm-hmm. that? Bargains galore. Two for the price of one. Yes, excellent. <laughs> yeah.
1: So how old, uh, that name yes. has been around a while. So obviously this cultivar has been yes. uh, around the trade for a wee while, so yes. it's not one of the new ones. How old is it, do you think? Greg? Uh,
2: it's been in Australia for uh, over 25 years. Yeah, so it's been around for quite a long time, and the so good, it's proven itself. Mm, yeah, the good ones come and stay. Mm. Um, you know, in the Rose World two years ago, we had 63 new releases re- released in Australia. Mm. And and when we start to really talk about plants, we can't we can't in the rose world especially can't go past what Anthony Tessiler has done. Mm. And you know I still can come back to it. It's still about promotion. Mm. And sold ninety million flower carpet roses. That's mm. an amazing achievement. Yes, he's got the world rights in in so many countries, but he's done it. Mm. He's done it. And it, and it's to get out and promote. And of course radio does that. But we've got to get into this um, promotion um, um Well you've certainly got to make good
1: plants not only available to people but you've got to make them obvious to people they've got to know that they're a good plant the only way you can do that is by promoting them in one form or another. So mm. you have your chilli mm-hmm. festivals, you have uh, all sorts of plant fairs and things, you promote things on radio, mm-hmm. um, you go into the press in other ways to talk about plants and to mm-hmm. promote them. The problem
4: is a lot of people promote things just because they're new, not because yes. they're good. And that did a lot of damage. You remember, 90, 95 to about 2005, If it was new, it sold. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. it was good or bad, and it, it put people off. When we did our plant for in spring this year, we letterbox dropped mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. 15 suburbs around Melbourne. And we had a lot of people at the garden show that weren't gardeners going to garden shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what we need to get. We need to get all those general gardeners out of the big boxes. Yeah. And into the garden shows and the festivals and the fairs to learn that mm. there's... Yeah, all there's rare plants yeah. out there. You know, and there's, there's interesting stuff. plants. Yeah. Mm. And that's why we garden. We, we don't want a garden to look like everybody else's garden. No, exactly. Well, I say
1: that to people. They they come into the nursery and they say, oh, I I, I want to plant... a Oh, I don't know. A golden osman, uh, Yeah, or, or dare I say um, a, a Chanticleer pear or yes. you know something that's being used in lots. And I say to them, look, you live in a house that's probably quite similar to your next-door neighbours. Mm. You probably drive a car that's not dissimilar to your next-door neighbours. You're in the same socio economic group as your next-door neighbours. Mm. The only way you can be particularly different is in your garden. Mm. So when somebody like we get up on radio mm. and say, walk around the neighbourhood and see what everybody else is planting and plant some of those because they'll work, it's probably true but it's really boring. you know. So you need to give people the idea... You're cloning
0: the neighbourhood. Yeah, you are. And and
1: look, if I came home uh, really tired one night, I could end up in the next door neighbours if I didn't have a garden (laughs) that's vaguely different from theirs. (laughs) So, you know, I think gardening is one of the places we can release ourselves. Most plants aren't hideously expensive. uh, So it's worth experimenting and taking risks with some things uh i mean i've probably killed more plants than any home gardener will ever kill um yeah.
4: believe me we're the same yeah well i'm sure you <laughs> are right. um
1: so you know it's not about you know having to keep something alive it's about the learning experience and we're playing not, with things we had a,
4: a customer up in in newcastle mark adamson and he re- researched and followed this and he came up with the concept a new estate goes in they are mortgaged the hilt the landscapes done by the landscape designer that puts the gold diosma, the hebe mm. buxifolia, the buxus, the same plants, about and seven, the lemon tree, yeah, yeah. And seven, the seven or eight years later, <laughs> they all start to get on top of their mortgage. They earn a bit more. They've got a little spare money, and now they go, hmm, I don't want to look like all these houses, and they start going to the garden centres and talking to the experts and learning, mm. and they slowly change that garden to being different, and that's what we've got to get more of mm. those people. Into the, un- into the Stephen Ryan's place, into the Silky Roses, looking mm. at different plants and different mm. roses and just experimenting. Mm. Somebody
3: has just rung in on the off- outside line and wants to know about garlic. Wanted to know what Stephen's favourite garlic is, but I think it applies to all of us. What is our favourite garlic, particularly one with rouge in the name?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, mine is a rouge one, uh, and I can't remember what the <laughs> cultivar name is, but I bought it from the nice guy that was up at Tesla's a couple of years back, and it was rouge rouge de
4: something rouge de. Uh, the history of the garlics is amazing because we had fantastic cultivars in Australia, yeah. and then we all went and bought the cheap garlic from the supermarkets mm, from ch- from China, China yeah. and all the garlic growers went broke because the supermarkets bought in. Then we suddenly decided we didn't want Chinese garlic. So it's taken about 20 years to get it back yeah. up and growing.
1: I wish I could remember the name of the one. You know the guy up there that yeah, grows yeah. the organic gar- garlic up there. He had this really nice sort of vaguely yeah. purple skinned garlic and it was rouge something. It was a French cultivar. And he said, this is really good. So I bought a bag of his garlic, took it home, planted it. And it has been the most remarkable garlic. Yeah. I get huge bulbs. Um, every year it grows. It's grown really well for me the last three, four years since I bought it from him. Okay. And I just keep replanting planting the same garlic mm. every year. Uh, it's adjusted to my soil really well. Um, and I get big, fat, fabulous
4: bulbs, and there's still plenty of them hanging in the shed at the moment. That We, we like t- Tassie Purple's our favourite, mm. and it's just one from Tassie. Mm. But we have a garlic grower up at the festival just selling garlic. All he's selling is selling garlic bulbs, and there's some really good stuff. Mm. But my favourite still, unfortunately, it is a Chinese one. It's fair because it comes from out of Mongolia. It's the pearl garlic, the single clove round I, am. Well, I love that because it tastes nice and it bakes really well. Mm-hmm. You just throw it in the oven mm. when you're roasting. And it's but it doesn't grow in the same way as a normal garlic. No, it's just a yeah. little round, single, single clove.
3: I mm. buy mine from Maggie round the corner.
4: Yes, mm. she has good stuff too. She has
3: lovely things and mm. wonderful potatoes.
4: Mm. And also, that's Maggie's in, in Wandon, Sylvan North, whatever that suburb mm. is there. The
3: Wanden East, you know, I think. Yeah.
4: Mm. But it's, it's a really nice one. And elephant garlic is not a garlic. No, it no it's don't. a leek. It's a deformed leek. Yep.
3: And but it's very nice. Yeah. And I love pl- it. I planted it around can't my roses. You use
1: it like a garlic. No, 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 no. It doesn't do the same no. job. But you bake, you it, bake it. it it's it delicious. It is. It really is really yeah.
4: nice. Yeah, I love it. And, and it's so it's, easy to it's grow. It's time to start planting garlic now.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to have to wait until I get back from overseas because I'm going next week and you I'm not ready to plant it. No, it um, won't matter. I'll be fine. But
4: Actually, just plant it tomorrow. Go home and shove it in
1: the garden. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got an opera in the garden. I'll
2: be up there planting the garlic <laughs> while they're singing in well, the garden.
4: Well, they go home at some stage, don't they? Yeah. So it'll you keep, can, it'll you keep can the witches away too, from the yeah.
2: opera. Yeah, well, it would too. Yes. <laughs> you can sing as you're planting it, Stephen. You've, yeah, that'll have turn to get into the game <laughs> of things. They're paying good money to listen to opera singers. They're
1: not going to listen to me. The garlic Yeah, There you go.
0: There you go. Okay, let's get to a couple of these callers. First up we have uh, Keith who's out in Reservoir. Good morning, Keith.
2: Hello, how are you? We're well. Um, uh, We want two shade trees and uh, one is going to go in the concrete and the other one will be about four metres away from the house on grass.
1: When no, you say no, in concrete, no. I assume you mean a hole through the concrete.
2: That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm just trying be, to figure uh, out how yeah, you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to cut a hole. It's just shocking the heat this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And People um, should be planting more trees. I don't understand why they're not. But uh, that's right, yeah, right. you you certainly need to. I'm assuming in reservoir you've got the fairly heavy soils. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Part of it's been changed, but. Um, so it's going to be, it needs to be hardy, and it's probably two, both of them are probably about two to three metres away from the uh, house, mm-hmm. so we don't want invasive roots, and we want a medium height to shade the, the uh, house a bit, and deciduous, of course.
1: Yeah, well, when you say medium height, uh, a tree isn't a tree unless it's at least four and a half metres tall. Yep. So uh, you
3: probably actually want small, Keith.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, because the other issue is, of course, if you want to shade things, you've got to have a tree that's tall enough that you can take the low limbs off it so you can walk under it. Yeah, well, so I you need to, to allow a two-meter mm. span to walk under the tree. And unless it's four that's to right. four and a half meters tall, you're going to end up with a stick with a few branches on the top that's of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you've got to have something that's big enough. Um,
2: yeah, under one and...
1: Yeah, well, yep. look, you could do far worse than some of the nice crab apples that are around. There's a, That's exactly what I was going yeah, to say. there's some wonderful crab apples, oh, and, yeah. and they... Have blossoms, some of them have attractive fruit, some of them have good autumn foliage, most of them have a nice little spreading canopy they 're prunable, you can shape them, make them do what you want they 're fairly heat tolerant. Most of them are grafted onto commercial apple understock, so anywhere you could grow an apple tree, you can grow a crab apple tree, um, so you could do far worse than a crab apple so and
3: the other thing I would suggest is a Judas tree because I find that the Judas tree in my garden is the most heat-tolerant tree I've got.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so Judas tree are quite good. A couple of other suggestions I'll make. Believe it or not, uh, there's two species of maple, that I would definitely recommend. One is Campestry, the field maple. Uh, I saw one of those growing out at Derwick Gwim once underneath the, the uh, flight path of the airport, um, and it was that year when we had about four days of 45 degrees, one after the other. This whole garden was parched and brown. The tops of the hedges were burnt, everything was burnt, and here was a field maple standing out in the middle of the grass, well, in the middle of the dry, barren what was lawn uh, without a burnt leaf on it, and it has little rounded leaves with yellow in the autumn. And the other one is a really rare maple, pentaphyllum, from China. Oh, uh, yes, lovely. It's a really quick growing tree. It doesn't come into leaf till the end of October, early November, so it comes out after the uh, well, it comes out when you need it, when the warm weather is really setting in, and it has fine bamboo-y type foliage, and it makes a really pretty light shade, and it grows really quickly. So there's, there's a few suggestions for you, none of which are going to have root systems that are going to cause you any grief. Uh, and in fact, most of the time, the root systems are in proportion to the size that the tree grows. So unless you plant something that grows quite large, then you're unlikely to have any root problems from the tree. So there's a few ideas All of right. small deciduous trees that I think would be an appropriate sort of thing. Could, could you Thank say you those names much, please again, help. please,
2: Stephen? Well, there's a-
1: Acer pentaphyllum, the five-finger maple, Acer campestri, the field maple, Uh, and any of the crab apples that grow to the right shape and size. You'd have to talk to your supplier. Some are quite small. Some have very weepy side branches, which makes them hard to lift the canopy up. But if you get the right ones, uh, one that I quite like actually is one called Royal Raindrops, uh, which has burgundy foliage and little tiny red crabs and deep pink flowers, and it makes a lovely small, spready shade tree. So there's a okay. few ideas. And Virginia's idea of the Judas tree is a good one. Uh, they come from Mediterranean climates, uh, and they're normally got little pink pea flowers on them, or deep, magentary pink, really, uh, in the late winter on the bare stems. But you can also, if you search around for them, find a pure white-flowered form mm. of it as well, which is gorgeous. Um, so the Judas trees are certainly worth considering. A little slower growing, maybe, than the other things I've suggested, but worth the wait. All right.
2: Thanks very much. We love you so. By the way, Let's good. Great. Week.
1: Excellent. Thanks.
0: Okay. All right. Bye. Right. Next up, we're going to Ellie out in Armadale. Good morning, Ellie. Oh, good morning. Um, mine's um, a little story about a canvas. I've been, I've spent uh,
5: half my uh, gardening life, I think, trying to get rid of it, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, nothing works. No. Any sort of poison, digging it up, you know, whatever, nothing works. Um, my prison garden, which is quite large, had about five uh different uh patches of canthus growing and mm-hmm. they were very vigorous. Suddenly they've all disappeared, every single one.
1: Yeah, they'll be back. Um, when it gets really hot and dry Acanthus just disappears below ground level uh, and at the moment it is really hot and dry and my Acanthuses have all died back Acanthus is like fire it's a really good friend and it's a bloody awful enemy, so if it's growing where you want it, it's fantastic I love love them, I I actually hold the national collection of Acanthus in my garden at Macedon Mm -hmm. uh, for plant trust Uh, and I love them, there's some fabulous shrubby ones, there's one from Ethiopia that has Scarlet flowers. I mean, they're a really remarkable genus, um, but they are virtually impossible to eradicate from a garden if
4: you've got them, so you have to plant them knowing you want to keep them because you'll never get rid of them. But there are <laughs> cultivars that don't do that. We have one called red legs. Yeah. It's actually hard to keep it alive if it gets dry. Yes.
1: yes. Well, in fact, I've managed to kill your red legs a couple of times in my collection. Yeah. I actually <laughs> have to put it somewhere much, much more uh, refined and yeah. moist now. I've got plenty of it up at work in pots, but. Yeah. Uh, every time I plant it in the garden at home, it tends to disappear. Mm. Uh, but
3: it has been so hot. I'm not surprised your acanthus has gone. Somebody's rung in from the outside line to say that the heat wave has actually killed the wasps in her brick wall, mm. which is wonderful. Not at Good heavens. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I haven't seen too many wasps this year. I, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, w- I won't say it too loudly. Um, but, yeah, th- normally in the autumn, we've got them everywhere up at Massad, and they're everywhere, and I've hardly seen them. There's been lots of bees around, but hardly any. Okay. What?
4: My suspicion is they're going on a two- to three-year cycle. Yeah. About three years ago, the chilli festival got hit really bad. The whole of Wanda, you couldn't even go to the bakery. They're just full of, in the bakery. And about a few years, and I reckon next year, they'll be back again. Mm. <laughs> just Unfortunately. Cycle
1: yeah. By the way, put water out for your bees. Yes. Yes. Or or have a fish
4: pond. Yeah,
1: or something. You need to. Uh, I've got some polystyrene flats that have no holes in them that I put some of my water loving plants in uh, and the bees have been going in and, and getting some water during the hot weather there. Mm. I've
3: particularly had a lot of blue banded bees this year, it's been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's been great for them this mm. year hasn't it? They've yeah. loved it Yeah.
4: Well, I often sit in my pond trying to see the fish mm. they're, they're hiding from the kookaburras but there's hundreds of bees buzzing around mm. in yep. there mm. Okay. There there you you a lovely kookaburra sitting on a branch above the pond <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and he's just sitting there talking <laughs> about <laughs> a metre from him and he's just looking at me, looking like that, waiting for me to move so I can go and get the fish. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I wanted to encourage you because it's a beautiful bird, but I also want my
0: fish.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Yes, goldfish and kookaburras don't mix.
0: <laughs> okay, so Ellie, have we answered your question? Oh yes, sadly you have. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, look, uh, I have to say, acanthus is a really handsome plant, and if you've got it somewhere in the garden, you're better to garden around it than try and deal with it, because... It's like the weedy oxalises. You'll spend your whole life trying to get rid of them, but you'll never quite manage to do them. So they'll always be there. So I would consider them as part of the garden that you just have to work around. Quite mint.
5: Oh, well, I'll think of you as the voice of doom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not sure I approve of that. But anyhow, I'm sorry, but, you know, acanthus is like that. Yeah. Yes, oh well, enjoy your ca- acanthus. I do enjoy my acanthus, I have to say, but there you
0: go. Okay, thanks, thanks Ellie. Thanks very much.
3: Bye. Bye. Uh, the whole genus, I, I think this, the acanthacea is so exciting. I mean, yeah. there's so many wonderful plants. I love
4: them, I think they're great great Yeah.
3: I saw a rhinocanthus besiana for sale yesterday up at Ferny Creek. I've never seen it for sale. I've got Just, it for
1: sale now. Have you? I've got four or five plants to sell. Yeah, from yeah. the original one I got from you. Absolutely Virginia. brilliant plant. Mm.
3: Absolutely brilliant. Dare
1: I say, it's as easy as hell to strike. <laughs> <laughs> so you can propagate it quite simply. Yes. Mm. I didn't lose a cutting. I only had four or five cuttings I could take off my stock plant, but mm. I didn't lose a cutting, and they struck in about three weeks.
3: And you've managed to keep it through the winter?
1: Yeah, it went through last winter fine. The the Brilliantasia, no, I've given up on that.
3: My Brilliantasia is in flower at the moment, and is I put it on the website. It is absolutely brilliant beautiful it's a a
1: stunning flower but yeah too cold sensitive for macedon so i've got to accept the inevitable in some cases
3: yes well remember when we saw it in that stream oh yes in in mauritius in mauritius yeah Mm. just
1: growing wild in a stream it was stunning Mm. but Mm.
3: uh, it does come from zimbabwe which is not exactly a cold place
1: no (laughs) (laughs) yes but it will grow around melbourne um so yes brilliant tasie is well worth looking out for wonderful foliage and these big Brilliant blue, selvia-like flowers on
4: it. Gorgeous. Well, Melbourne is amazing. Because we've now got the concrete mass that keeps the heat, we can grow so many plants. Like we're now selling black sapote, mm. which is a great northern tropical plant. It's growing fine. Mm. It's, it's, we're lucky in Melbourne we can grow so many great plants. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, it's got a good climate. Yep, yeah.
0: yep. Now, I did want to quickly mention a new book that's just been released. Uh, it's hot off the press. Um, and there seems to be um, a lot of interest in birds at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the second bird book that's come out in, in, in very recent times. This one's called Your Backyard Birds. It's by Dr. Graney Cleary. Um, it's bas- basically based on stories from individual contributors about bird behaviours. So it's, it's all about... Um, bird behaviours as such and how they're adapting to live with us humans, particularly in the urban environment. So um, uh, the whole idea, as I say, is is to try and talk about the adaptation of birds and why they're thriving in in our urban areas. The first few chapters uh, deal with uh, why birds differ in their behaviour and what causes ...causes personalities to form. Um, Chapters 4 and 5 are all about intelligent birds learning to survive in a changing environment by working as part of a team. Uh, Chapters 6 and 7, how birds find food and water and then communicate their finds to others. Uh, Chapters 8 to 10, how birds do in fact communicate... Um, and further chapters include how birds display human behaviours such as grieving, conducting funerals, engaging in play, um, urban birds as inventors, birds uh, learning to live with us, and the final chapter is all about people. Providing food for birds and do they become dependent, which is queries we often get. Yeah, here you on often the get show. people
1: asking about, you know, feeding the birds.
0: That's yeah. right. So the book, the book is taken up with a lot of individual stories and anecdotes that have come in from citizen scientists. Um, and they're dotted right throughout the book. It is published by, um, uh, Alan and Unwin. Uh, there's a foreword by Robin Williams, AM. Uh, and, uh, recommended retail price is 29 99 Now, we do have one copy only as part of our supporters segment. If one of our listeners would like to grab their hands on, uh, this fresh off the press, uh, copy, it's, as I said, it's entitled Your Backyard Birds by Dr Granny Cleary. Um, the first person who rings in can have this copy for $30 or if you want to post it out to you for $40. You can come in and collect it uh, during the week from 3CR, uh, during, during working hours or as I say we can post it out to you. That number to ring if you'd like to grab this copy nine four one nine zero one double five, 0155 and Carol will take uh, your details 9419 0155. Okay, let's get to a couple more callers. First up, we have, uh, let me see, Gloria uh, in Berlin. Good morning, Gloria. Oh, good morning. Yes, good morning. go ahead.
5: Um, yes, I was just walking out to the garden. Oh, we grabbed
0: you just in time.
5: <laughs> no, 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 I've just come in from the garden. All right, okay. And I was looking at, I've got these, I had a gardener who recommended putting the burdens along my north fence and said, oh, they'd be marvellous, absolutely marvellous. Well, that was probably five years ago and they haven't even reached the top of the fence and they're doing.
4: So,
5: look, they probably would be marvellous except that I wanted something to hire and also I've got a a house at the back of me that I really didn't want to look at. I mean, I've got a massive bay tree, which is huge, and a lot of uh, bamboo Actually, anyway, that's irrelevant. So I'm looking... I, I'm happy to rip all the baburnums out. I know that puppy sounds terrible, or even dig them up and give them to someone. Um, but I want something that's going to give me a bit of height and uh, coverage. That's so you're,
3: you this. want a tree then? You want some trees?
5: Well, I've got... It, there are one, two, three, four, five, I think six baburnums along the back fence.
3: Mm -hmm. And they're actually facing south effectively, are they?
5: Yeah, they're on the north fence, Yeah.
3: Facing south. So Mm -hmm. they don't get a lot of sun.
5: Well, they get all the sun the north fence.
3: Yes, but the roots of the plants are either on the south south side of the fence? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, How tall do you need the plants to grow?
5: Um. Gosh, it'd be lovely
1: to have, so that I'm not looking at the house behind me. So, what, three, four, five metres?
5: Uh, Yep, sounds
1: good. So, anything up to about five metres?
3: Yep. All right. Um, Back to your
1: maples. Well, yeah, except they're deciduous. Does it matter if they're deciduous or do you want evergreen?
5: Well, the other thing is, Um, they can't be too big, big. I mean, I've got the massive bay tree. Mm. Actually, I wish I'd put the bamboo that I'd put under the bay tree. Anyway,
0: that's... I was going to say bamboo.
1: Yeah, some of the ornamental bamboos that are clumping are fantastic as screening plants because they grow fairly vertical, so they don't take up an awful lot of room within your garden. They don't Mm. annoy the neighbours particularly because they're not going to flop over the fence too far and and, and annoy neighbours who don't want your plants in their place. I don't know quite that what that is, but neighbours tend to do that. Mm. Even if it's a damn good plant, they see it's not mine, so I'm going to cut it back to the fence. Why do people do that? It drives me insane. Um, I had a neighbour that did exactly that with all my plants, and she just hacked them right back. In fact, she hacked them back beyond the boundary. She actually cut them back on my side of the boundary and cleaned everything up, and she had a vacant bed there, and she just left it. Lovely. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, yeah, she sold those, so I'm quite pleased. We've got some nice malleable young neighbours now that are going to do all the right things. You'll make sure <laughs> they, they do. do. <laughs> yes. don't know that they're listening, but if you are Jess and Michael, I didn't mean it. <laughs> um, How wide do you want it? Yeah, do you want them to spread out a bit or do you want them to stay reasonably upright? Uh, they could spread. What, mm. two metres wide? Uh, yes. Camellia? Yeah, I don't know, it's going to be fast enough. Mm. Yeah. Um, look, uh, there's a couple of suggestions I'll make. Uh, one is a Zara mi- uh, microphylla. Uh, it's reasonably upright. It's going to get a bit taller than five metres, but not vastly so. And it grows thick enough to screen you, but it will let some sunlight through. So it's not dense, dense. Tiny right. little dark green leaves. Fabulous scent of, uh, in August when it's in flower of vanilla that wafts all over the garden. Um, grows fast. Seems to be heat tolerant. Seems to be fairly drought tolerant. So Azara microfile is one. I've got a really offbeat suggestion, and I'm the only and, one... And, and
5: Stephen, because yeah? with that one... Um, could I put in a few of them? Is that
1: what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, just put in a row of them if you need to. I mean, I don't know quite how long the the fence is, but I'd probably plant them at about uh, two and a half, three metre spacings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Now, I'm going to suggest something else that I know you won't buy from anybody but me, and that's a bit of an unfortunate (laughs) thing, but it's just the way it is. Believe it or not, there is a plant that used to be called Stransvasia davidiana and it's now been included into fitinia, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but it's a semi to fully evergreen shrub, grows to about four and a half, five metres, has comparatively small dark green leaves. And because it's semi evergreen, in the late autumn, early winter, when you get a bit of a cold chill, about a third of the leaves will go bright red and drop. So you get this red-green combination. Like Yeah, but the fitinia the evergreen fitinia is the red and green combination is new leaves, not old leaves dying. So it's a completely different look even though the colour combination is similar. And Davidiana grows
4: quite differently from Robusta yeah. and Rubens.
1: It's a more sort of uh, open. open, airy, small tree, large shrub slash. It's very prunable, gets little white flowers in clusters, gets clusters of red berries. It seems to be pretty hardy. And I don't know anybody else who's growing it. Have you seen it around the tree? We actually open?
4: imported one called Davidiana palette about 20 years ago, which is a tricolour. Oh, They're the really... variegated one. Yeah. Have you still got it? Yeah, but can't sell it.
1: Well, sell me a tray of it. Grow a tray and I'll buy it. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so Vasia or what is now Fertinia davidiana, is, I think, a really useful plant. It seems to be pretty tough and hardy, and you can prune and train it as you want. It's probably not likely to get above five metres, uh, but it will certainly get to four metres without too much are, of a stretch. Are
5: you saying
1: it's deciduous? No, it's, it's evergreen, but half of the foliage will colour and drop off in the winter. So I guess you've got to call it semi-deciduous, but it will always be clothed with leaves quite well. So there you go. And tell me
5: the name again.
1: Fotinia Davidiana. Are you saying Fotinia? Yeah, Fotinia, as in like the red tip thing, but it okay. doesn't look like Fotinia.
5: Okay, and
1: what's the other word with it? Da- Davidiana, as in named after somebody called David after my husband. Yeah, there yeah see, there you go. So you Dave Vidiana. Perfect solution. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I love it. I planted them for you, dear, yeah. is what you can say. Brownie <laughs> points. Yes. <laughs> and you can look after and it. And you're the, you
5: saying you're the only one that has it. I
1: don't know anybody else who's growing it because it's one of those plants that as Clive has already mentioned, seems to be really hard to sell because people just don't know it. Um, and so you're not going to walk into a general garden centre and buy Fitinia davidiana. davidiana. Um, uh,
5: how far apart would I put them if I put a row of them? Two to three, three metres. Mm. Two to three metres,
1: Yeah, Because right. you're not and creating a hedge, you're just creating a screen.
5: And uh, they
1: are? Uh-huh. Yeah, it seems to be reasonably quick-growing reasonably growth. Yeah, I mean, some of the things that grow exceedingly fast will also pull, will die young. Exceedingly yeah. Fast. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got to weigh one thing up against yeah. the other. So if you yeah. plant something that grows like stink, it's as like as not that you'll have 10 years out of it and it'll start collapsing.
5: Well, I, I might be gone after 10 years. Oh, come years on now.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I could say only the good die young. <laughs> and, and some, and some <laughs> of us have been very wicked. Yes. Yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you have
1: them? I have some at the moment, yes. I've probably got ten or a dozen plants in eight-inch pots.
5: You mail them out?
1: No, no, you have to come to me.
0: Okay. I come down to
1: Collingwood every second Sunday to do radio. People have got to go in the opposite direction occasionally.
0: But you won't be down for the next few weeks? I
1: will be away as of next Sunday for five weeks in Morocco.
0: So, Gloria, you have to go up this
3: week if you want to put them in this autumn.
1: It's a nice right. drive up through the mountain. Ma- 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 yeah, it is. It's a lovely drive. Get David in the car, and so we're going up to see your keep your your well, namesake I plant.
5: Except that, that he's no longer with us. Oh, oh. dear, I'm sorry. To,
1: I'm sorry what? to be flippant, then, that's, my dear.
5: Look, he would have loved that drive.
1: don't <laughs> <I>? <laughs> Well, take his memory up with you. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right, exactly. And say, see, David, I bought them for you. Mm-hmm.
5: All right, that sounds pretty
1: good, actually. Yeah, it's a nice plant, and I just think people should be sort of engaging with some of these more obscure and interesting plants.
5: So if my, yeah, so I'd need, I've got, and they, they're fairly, fairly reasonably
1: quick-growing? Yeah, yeah, look, I find it quite a good doer. I've got one in a really tough spot in the garden at home where it gets bugger-all attention and it grows well.
5: Okay. All right, we've you, got to go. You, you said grows well. You didn't say
1: grow fast. Oh, come on now. Just go and buy some. It'll be lovely, I assure you. you, know, you <laughs>
3: Gloria, we've got somebody else who wants to come, and we're nearly finished for the day, for the week.
0: I've got to go.
1: Yep. yep. Thanks a lot, Gloria. Right. Bye. Go. We've got to whip
0: through a couple more. Uh, sure. one, more one, one more, one more. Um, we're going to uh, Wendy out in Reservoir. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. How are you? We're well. Enjoying the show?
5: Uh, yes, I'm. I'm just looking at um, what's left of my plants after not being able to keep up with the watering over in the heat. Mm. Um, so I've got um, some daffodils and hydrangeas. Just wondering when I should plant them out into the garden, and I can recall my mother saying that Daphnies don't like being moved once they've been.
1: They don't do like, yeah, part? they don't like being shifted once they're planted. They're alright to come out of a pot and go into the ground, yep. but they're not mad keen on being dug up and moved. No. I, n- I know ah. people who've done it and got away with it, but yep. I reckon you've yep. got 50 50 chance of su- uh, Daphne surviving, maybe less. You're an optimist. Oh, am I? Alright. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe 75% <laughs> yeah. chance of losing them. Uh, ah. So, yeah, so once you plant a Daphne in the ground, leave it
4: alone. But if you're taken out of a pot and you're careful you carefully don't disturb the roots, it, uh, give it a really good, get it nice and moist and happy before you do it. I mean, it should yep. be all right.
5: Okay, so when we say right, should be right to do it or that now? Or? No,
4: no. Wait, wait no, till no. the weather breaks. It's too dry. The ground is so yep. dry; it's really hard yes.
5: to get moisture I in. Know. Do it over exactly. Easter.
4: Mm. Easter yeah, project. okay.
5: And the other thing is that my camellias have um, suffered a lot as well. Just when should I be cutting the dead wood off the tops
6: and around the side? Again, now. not
1: until we get rain.
6: Right. Okay. So again, just wait for the rain yeah. and the uh, yep. cooler weather for all of it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Wonderful.
4: Thanks very much. And um,
0: once again, enjoying your show. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, we've got about five minutes. Clive, let's talk Herb and Chilli Festival again. Yes.
4: Just remind you, yeah, 16th and 17th of March, Quail Road, Wondon. Tickets online, www.chilifestival.com.au. A great two days of food, wine, music, all the good things in life and lots of good plants. And just come and have a fun time. Cheaper than a weekend's babysitting. Bring the kids up. They can go and play all the, on all the... Entertainment for free, and you can sit there and eat good food and good wine and good beer. And Why I noticed you've you even got children a... home after. I <laughs> can <laughs> well, leave them there; it doesn't bother me. I don't live that side; I live another side.
0: <laughs> I noticed you've even got a weekend pass.
4: Yes, we do. A lot of people like to come up for two days. Yeah, they, great idea. If they don't live near, they get a bed and breakfast, or they come up, drive up. It's a great place. The Yarra Valley is really beautiful, isn't it? Oh, isn't it right? is I think Glorious. it is absolutely
3: yeah. divine. Although the amount of smoke in it at the moment, but it's a bit of oh, rain, go. Bit bit of rain on Tuesday and it'll go. it's yeah, yeah. a lovely
4: festival, and you can have smoked chili. And it's a family event. We have all our family come down from parks and, yeah, there is smoke chilli there. (laughs) (laughs) And they come down from parks and we have a great family fun two days. It's just, it's fun. We're proud of it. We enjoy it. We look forward to it.
0: Absolutely. And just remind listeners of some of the various activities and things for sale that are there.
4: There'll be plants for sale. There'll be all sorts of sauces, rubs, beer, wine, liqueurs, um, meat. There'll be the guy with 25 different types of Turkish delight, handmade pate, twisted potatoes on a stick. There's dancing to watch. I'm putting weight on thinking about it. <laughs> I know. I have to go on a diet for a few days beforehand. <laughs> yeah. But when I was setting up the stands, I walked 19,000 steps yesterday. Oh, so oh well done. Okay. Yeah. I still put weight on. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, how does that anyway. work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's just a lot, to, and it's a, a, a feast for the senses of, of the food.
0: And lots of music, as you yeah. said, dancing. Yeah. There's
4: four stages running with music, dance, competitions, cooking classes. All sorts of things. So it's just a really good time. And days. you've
3: also got both Karanga and Bushland yeah. having sales. So mm. you can do, go to them, one on the way in and the other on the way out. And to mm. give
4: our local promise, we've we'll got a harvest market as you drive past on the way through on a Sunday. So it's, it's just a great time in the valley.
0: It is. Fantastic. Yeah. Just yeah. repeat the address.
4: 125 Quail Q-U-A-Y-L-E, Road, Wandon.
0: Fantastic. And yeah. I know that's that's very clearly signposted.
4: Oh, it will be. Yep, It will be.
0: Terrific. Stephen, you've got two minutes to talk about that plant that you've gone and hidden on. I
1: didn't hide it, I just put it down because I didn't think we'd have time. Um, time. The last plant that's up on the Facebook page is the Dawn Poppy from China. Now this isn't a plant for everybody because it does like cool conditions, so cool moist conditions. Uh, It runs so if you've got a bit of damp soil in a shady spot somewhere, it runs around, it gets lovely leaves that are almost like a water lily shaped leaf and the leaves all sit at different levels so there's a really interesting textural quality with it and it gets little white poppy like flowers on it and it f- never flowers in, pr- in any mm-hmm. sort of prolific way, but it's n- almost never without a flower. When you've got a colony of it, you'll have little spikes of flowers on it in the winter, through the spring, through the summer, and you'll have them in the autumn as well. Um, and, um, it's it, a lovely leaf. It's a, I'd grow it for its foliage if it never actually flowered. It wouldn't worry me. Its mm-hmm. leaves are really pretty. And so in damp shade, perhaps in a fernery or something like that, or in a pot sitting in a saucer of water for the summer, uh, it makes a great foliage plant, and its wee little tiny white poppy flowers are really cute. So Eomecan uh the dawn poppy from China.
0: Do you uh, want to try and spell that for listeners?
1: Uh, I will.
4: G a w n p o p. I was going
0: to go
1: E-O-M-E-C-O-N-C-H-I-O-N-A-N-T-H-A, Uh Eomecan means sort of poppy of the dawn. There so go. there you go. So its actual common name is, is part of its botanical. Hmm. So there you go. Done.
0: Wonderful. Okay, uh, we have run out of time for yet another week. We will, of course, be back next Sunday morning doing it all again, uh, 7.30 right through until 9.15. So we'd love to hear from you then. Save up your gardening questions and uh, join us next Sunday morning at 7.30. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.